Hello on this fine Tuesday, beautiful people. Welcome to episode 14 of the Clutchdown podcast. The last few have all been about the draft and the draft prospects and going through my, my favorite picks from rounds one to round seven and even some of the undrafted guys, but we're back to the usual format this week. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about the news and updates around the league and then going on to my spotlight player for the week. I'm basically going to work through the first round of the draft and then with the prospects I haven't spoken about, I'll do some analysis on and and speak about the pros and cons of them and my conclusion where I think they're going to fit in the NFL and then I'll just go from there. Like It might be a case of that I get to the end of the first round and then I've, we're on to the next uh, college season and I can start chatting about the, the current college players instead of talking about the guys that were drafted into the NFL. So that would be the ideal situation. And after talking about Spotlight Player, I'm going to go on to rumors and controversies around the league and then finally talk about my album of the week. So with that in mind, let's get into it. So news and updates for the week. Jadavian Clowney re-signs on a one-year deal for $11 million with the Browns. I like this. I think him and Miles Garrett work incredibly well in tandem. Clowney's always been this guy that if he's led to be the sole pass rusher or the sole guy who's on the edge, he's not going to get sack numbers that jump off of the screen and jump off of the box score. He's not going to be that difference maker. But if you put him in tandem with a fantastic player or a, a ridiculously good pass rusher like Miles Garrett, then he's going to fulfill his role extremely well. And he's going to be that solid run defender and that solid guy who gets you between six and ten sacks. You could argue that that's the same for almost any player. Like you look at some of the guys that have been across from Aaron Donald and then have moved on to other teams and their sack numbers have gone down because obviously he draws double teams and so on. But Clowney was a top pick a few years ago and you don't become a top pick unless you've got that talent and got that ability. So for me, yeah, I think it's a good, good re-signing for the Browns on that team. They've got a few good pass rushes now and good guys on that defensive line. As I said about Perry and Winfrey and Isaiah Thomas last week, so they've got a really good rotation. And then obviously their star pass rusher in Miles Garrett. Moving on, apparently Geno Smith has the early edge over Drew Locke to start in Seattle. It's interesting. I mean, as we saw when Russell Wilson had his injury last year and Smith came in, that he actually played really well. I think he had a really decent passer rating in the in the starts that he had so I think it's, it's always a nice story when you see a player who's been in the league for a while a veteran you know like when Nick Foles going to win the Super Bowl or you know Ryan Tannehill with a career resurgence it's always good when you see a player who's managed to to hang around in the NFL and then he finally gets a, a chance to start and then does extremely well and I mean so far we've seen that Drew Locke starting is probably not where he's going to be and not where he's going to stay I think he's shown that he doesn't have the ability to be a starting quarterback in the NFL but can be a very serviceable backup so it's going to be interesting to see how this situation pans out I can't I'm not sure if I see them getting Baker Mayfield now I think with the the situation the Seahawks are in I think they've gone for let's put the pieces around a current quarterback that we have on the roster, a veteran guy, and then let's look at drafting a quarterback next year who can come into a really, really good situation with good receivers, a good line, good defense, and we can develop him from there. Final for news and updates, the Eagles signed James Bradbury, the corner who was released from the Giants recently to a one-year 10 million deal. 
I think that Eagles team is looking great now. They've got depth all over. They've got star players all over. They've massively improved on defense. They've got some good pieces on offense. The wide receiver was an issue, but they got AJ Brown during the draft. Jason Kelsey's sticking around on defense. You've got Fletcher Cox on the D-line. And then next to him, you've got Jordan Davis, who they got in the draft. Then they got N'Kobe Dean in the linebacker situation. Now they've got Bradbury at corner. So I think the Eagles are going to be one of those teams which basically are going to get taken as far as their quarterback can take them. Last year, in the start of a rebuild year, they made the playoffs. They had one of the easiest schedules in the league, but they still made the playoffs and they still... Although the first half against the Bucks in the playoffs wasn't great, they had a better second half. And I think that building off of that now with the pieces they've got, they're in a really good situation because it's, it's definitely a prove-it year for Jalen Hurts. But the thing is, they've also still got two first-round picks next year in what is arguably a better quarterback class than this year. And so if the Hurts experiment doesn't work, they've still got a ton of young players moving forward. They've still got two first-round picks that they can work with. And so they're just in a really good situation. They've built their team up well through the draft and through free agency. And now they're in a situation where if Hurts doesn't work out for this year, they can look at drafting a quarterback in the first round next year. Okay, great for news and updates. Let's move on to my spotlight player of the week. And it's Derek Stingley, the cornerback who was drafted number three overall by the Texans. A little overview on Stingley. Stingley's a versatile player with lots of speed and physicality. Some injury concerns for him, but with cornerback being one of the hardest positions to play in the NFL and Stingley having cornerback one potential, that's why he went so high. He played three seasons at LSU, but his freshman year in 2019 is where his tape jumped off the board. He played 15 games there with six interceptions and 21 passes defense. Stingley only played in three games last season after suffering a torn ligament in his left foot, and he also missed three games in 2020 because of an ankle injury and an illness and didn't have a pick in either the 2020 or 2021 season. Okay, so pros for Stingley. Plays the ball extremely well. As I said, he had six interceptions in his freshman season and he seems to have an eye for where the ball is at all times in every play. If he's in man, if he's in zone, he's going to play his receiver well, but he's also going to be a ball hawk and keep his mind on where that ball is at all times. He's shown that if you do try to test him in man or zone coverage, he's going to pick it off. So he has great situational awareness of you know where he is on the field, where the ball is, where the receiver is, what route the receiver is running, which is obviously everything you want from a top cornerback. Physical traits, he ran a 4.3740 at his pro day, showing that he's going to be able to keep up with the top speedy receivers in the league. And he played a lot of press man coverage in college. His tape shows that he can stick with these receivers all the way up the field and that you can leave him on an island on his own. And if you do leave him on an island of his own, he's going to be able to play well. You know, think of like a Jalen Ramsey or someone like that who can just basically cover an entire half of the field by himself because of how good his skills are in man coverage. And that's the type of thing you're getting with Stingley. And then, of course, his athleticism jumps off the tape in pass defense. It's quite funny because sometimes when you watch his highlights and watch the things that he did in college, it actually looks like he's the receiver because just of the way that he can bring the ball in. I mentioned it with my first pro for him about his ability to play the ball so well. But you know when a cornerback has the speed and has the size and looks like a receiver when he's playing cornerback that you've got a good guy there. Moving on to cons. His tape in 2020 and 2021 was nowhere near as good. It looked like a lot of a, a lack of effort on a lot of plays. And I think, you know, partly this is because they went from 
a top team who went undefeated and were national champions to a 5-5 record in 2020 and a 6-7 record in 2021. So he didn't have the same supporting cast. But the thing is, he's going to the Texans and they're not going to be a top team next season with you know how high they picked in the draft. They're slowly building the pieces, but... Is it going to be a situation of Lovey Smith is going to have to coach more effort into him and more effort knowing that, all right, you're not going to be making the playoffs this season. You're not going to be a top team this season and you're going to be on your own a lot because we need you to match up against the best receivers and then we need to play defense in that way. So is it going to be a tough situation of, you know, you've got tremendous upside, but we need you to have that effort on every single play? He's also not consistently a great tackler in the open field. He doesn't seem to back himself and hit hard like a top corner. Like his tackles are a little apprehensive. It's not a case of right, you know, we can play him down in the box or, you know, if we play him in the slot, then he's has that ability to tackle or tackle a big tight end or, you know, tackle a running back who's running downfield. And obviously you want that extra bit of a cornerback's game so that wherever you play him on the field, if you need to use him in a different way, then you can utilize that skill set as well. For me, conclusion-wise, his upside is off the charts and I can see him a top corner despite everything I just said. With his pro day, we can see that his injuries haven't diminished any of his athleticism and teams love traits, physical traits and upside in the first round. And I also think a lot of Stingley's play and bad play in 2020 and 2021 was to do with psychology. I think coming off his 29 freshman season, he was at the top of his game, went into 2020, had an illness, then an injury, the team went downhill, and I think this just rocked him. Then in 2021, he started to get his mojo back and injured his foot, and so it was kind of a you know one step forward, two steps back situation. I think without the foot injury, he would have been back at the top of his game. You know, for and against for even his cons here. Like I spoke about his tackling, but in the last college game he played against Central Michigan, he forced a fumble with a beautiful hit on the running back. So this is an example of him backing himself and hitting like a top corner. And then uh, talking about his tape in 2020, he had some nice pass breakups in some of the LSU losses in 2020. So that goes against what I said about the lack of effort. Like even when they were down 20 points or 30 points, he was still there making pass breakups. So all the potential has still been there throughout. And I think, you know, with the Texans drafting him high and believing in him and him going to an experienced coach in Lovey Smith, I have no doubts that he's going to be back at the top of his game and back to being that top corner. And I think the Texans have got a really, really good guy here. Moving on to rumors and controversies. So it looks like the favorites to sign Julio Jones are the Bucks. This is a great move. You've seen what happened with Antonio Brown going to the Bucks. Well, the good side of Antonio Brown going to the Bucks, where he built that immediate chemistry with Tom Brady. He was a veteran receiver. And I think the thing is, when you get a veteran receiver who's played so well in the league for so long, and then you pair him with a veteran quarterback, it's just a, a recipe for success because that's two guys who know how to get on the same page and know how to work with each other's strengths and weaknesses. So for me, it's going to be a great signing for the Bucks if they get him. I think Julio, if he can manage to even play half a season or if he can manage to play you know, a full season, it's only really been injuries that have been his problem the last couple of seasons. He's shown that when he is playing, he can still play as that top receiver in the league. And I think if he plays 17 games, he'll still lead the league in receiving yards. It's just those niggly little injuries that have been getting to him, you know, the hamstrings and things like that. But in a situation where, you know, they've got Mike Evans as a top receiver and then they've got Chris Godwin, Julio signings make sense because even if he does have an injury or if he can play the first four or five weeks and has a bit of an injury, he'll be a difference maker. And that at least gives you the chance for Chris Godwin to slowly recover from his ACL injury and you don't have to rush him back quick. And if it's in a situation where Julio's playing 
as a top guy and he isn't getting injured, then great. You can still play them, play a lot of three wide receiver sets. You can play them as like basically glorified three wide receiver ones. Or if, you know, Julio is struggling with some injuries or, you know, isn't at the top of that level anymore, then he can be a difference maker. But then as soon as Godwin comes back, then you can drop Julio into a guy that's still going to draw a big matchup on the field. And you can have him as that wide receiver two role, have him in the slot. You can play him as wide receiver three. Um, and then you've got just a really, really dynamic offense. I was very surprised that the Bucks didn't go with a wide receiver in the draft just purely because of, you know, where they picked, uh, they traded back and they started with the top pick basically of the second round. And so with that, they could have gone with any of the wide receivers that were there because there was so much depth of wide receiver in this draft. So I was really surprised even later in the rounds, they could have got someone. But with that in mind, I think that that's their biggest glaring needs now is the need for a wide receiver and an extra guy. I say, especially with Godwin and his ACL injury. So yeah, I, I think also it would just be fun to see Julio and Brady going at it. And a good situation for Julio has done basically everything in the league besides getting a ring and he deserves to get a ring. And so I'd I'd like to see him get a ring and I'd also like to see that Bucks offense with him on. So yeah, we'll monitor that and see see how that goes. But currently it looks like he's signing with the Bucks. Okay, so we've spoken a bit about Julio. Let's talk about Lamar Jackson, his contract situation. So currently, it doesn't seem like either side is in any sort of rush to get a deal done. There's no sort of priority on getting Jackson signed. And it looks like both teams want to get him signed. Both sides want to get him signed. But yeah, I'm a bit unsure on Jackson still. I think he's an incredible athlete yeah don't get me wrong but he's still shown that he hasn't improved that well as a passer and I think it also comes down to regular season versus playoffs yeah regular season you know I think Jackson's going to be a perennial MVP caliber quarterback every single season especially with his rushing ability and so on but I think the thing is once you start to get to the playoffs you need if a team can shut down that run and shut him down in the the run game and all that then you have to force him to pass. And if a team just goes, right, we're going to commit to slowing that rundown and going to commit to that. And then you commit to slowing that down and then you have to make Jackson pass. I just don't think he's got the skill set to be able to carry that over. That's why you've had quarterbacks like Joe Flacco and and Nick Foles and, you know, nearly Blake Borters going to a Super Bowl and players winning Super Bowls who aren't the best quality quarterbacks because they can at least throw the ball well. And I think in Jackson's situation, you know, having been to the playoffs four times now and only won one playoff game I think that kind of shows the the issue there I just think that when it comes to the playoffs you need to have everything in your arsenal to be able to get to that next level like you see you know quarterbacks like Stafford popping off some nice runs in the playoffs and all that and it's just like you need to have as much as you can at your disposal and if you're in a situation where the Ravens uh, have a kind of not one-dimensional quarterback but just a dude who can pass but isn't the greatest passer and come, still makes kind of erratic decisions when it comes to passing. I just don't think they're going to be able to go that deep in the playoffs with him. Is, is he a fantastic quarterback? Yes. Is he a top quarterback who deserves to get that top money? For me, he just hasn't shown enough as a passer to do that. So yeah, we'll see what kind of happens with his contract situation. But it does seem like both teams want to get a contract done. But it's just all about quarterbacks and how much money they demand. And I think that'll be the sticking point. It looks like a lot of other NFL executives are monitoring the situation as well. Final rumor controversy. The Patriots are alarmed by the offensive staff at the moment. With Josh McDaniels going to the Raiders, the Patriots still have no offensive coordinator. For me, this is just a quick one. I think the media love to jump on the bandwagon of the Patriots dynasties over and they love to to 
kick them and be make a drama out of their situation. Bill Belichick is a guy who has things under control. He knows what he's doing. Yes, McDaniels is gone, but Belichick is still the mastermind behind how that Patriots team works overall. And so I have no no qualms about this. And I think this is just, you know, an off-season thing and they'll figure it out. And I think it's just the media going, all the Patriots have gone downhill. They're not winning the Super Bowl every season. So let's find some drama and everything that's going on. And so I think, yeah, I think they're just going to develop into being a, a playoff team again. Again, they've signed some some good depth pieces. They didn't have the best draft, but they had some good guys in free agency. And so, yeah, I think the Patriots are going to be a fun team to watch next season. Okay, enough of the NFL stuff. Now onto my album of the week. So my album of the week this week is Rolling Stones' Tattoo You. So this little-known band is, of course, one I discovered on Spotify. No, definitely not. So I'm actually going to see the Rolling Stones in a couple of weeks. Uh, they're playing in Hyde Park in, in London. Uh, and I've been doing a deep dive into the discography. I've always liked them, always liked a lot of their songs. But, you know, when you go and see an artist live and you want to, you know, know the lyrics and you want to know what's going on. So I've properly gone into their, their discography. And Tattoo You was the first proper proper album that i've been listening to back and forth and start to finish and over and over again they're just so good like the more the more i listen to the more i listen to like different albums of theirs yeah, they're just such a good band they just have consistency i literally will play their album whilst i'm chilling there have it on my laptop and then as a song plays i add it to my add it to my like songs next song plays add it to my like songs until i've just got the entire album there and my like songs so yeah check out tattoo you there was i've been into my music lately and so there was i've been listening to a few different albums Def leopard hysteria was another one i was thinking of having as my album of the week some girls rolling stones is another one i thought about having as my album of the week but for me tattoo you was the one that that took the cake in the end if you haven't heard it or if you want a bit of a more understanding of the album check out start me up tops and heaven those are my three favorite songs on the album so yeah rolling stones tattoo you check that out okay thank you for listening this was episode 14 of the clutch down podcast check me out on insta and tiktok at clutch down podcast and then on twitter at clutch down pod i'll be back next week to chat more about the nfl the news the updates the the prospects the young guys the rumors and the controversies and with another album of the week as well with the rolling stones make it two for two will it be two weeks in a row or someone else come up we'll see i'll see you next tuesday